Welcome back to When Cinephiles Attack, a weekly podcast where four movie fans test the limits of their friendship. I'm Josh, and I am not your host today, bitch. (laughs) I am. I'm Lacey, here with... Mella. Josh. Yeah, you clicked on this episode and you thought, didn't you? They really did. Bitch, I did too. I'm in the room. Same. This has been like over 100 episodes now. And I think all of our listeners have, like, a pretty good grasp on each of our tastes, like, what we all bring to the table. I hope this is a shock for you today. But it's me. I'm hosting. Um, Before we get started, if this is the first time you're listening, welcome. Uh, (laughs) We like to mess around. (laughs) (laughs) I hope, I hope... Finally, we get a potential sponsor, and they're like, let me try out one of these episodes. First thing they listen to is, I'm not your host, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> uh, before we get started, please take a moment and like, subscribe, rate, follow us on whatever platform you're listening on, Apple Podcasts, Good Pods, Spotify, anywhere you're listening. Um, it helps us out, um, especially on Apple Podcasts, if you can leave us a rate and review. Um, it helps us continue to grow and we appreciate it. Hi, friends. What's up? Hey. What are we watching? What are we doing? Um, Family Feud. Mm. I'm watching a lot of Family Feud. Yeah. It's become yeah, a dinner get, time entertainment. Yeah, I get home from work. I need to decompress for half hour, 45 minutes. Not a whole lot better decompressed than the feud, dude. That's it, though. Um, It's been <laughs> pretty immediate since we've recorded last, and I haven't watched anything since except for a half an episode of Family Feud. So... <laughs> <laughs> Not even a full one. Last night I watched Fire Island. It's oh, how was fried. that? Oh boy. Uh oh. Well, the trailers don't look very good. Oh. Wow. Like homophobia tra- in June, really, Josh? <laughs> it doesn't look funny. Is it good? I enjoyed it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I enjoyed yeah. it pretty mu- pretty well. It's uh, it's an adaptation of Pride and Prejudice. It oh, is. See, I didn't uh, know that. Written and starring Joel Kim Booster. And yeah, I enjoyed it a lot. There is um there's some romance, there's some drama, it's fun, it's a little sexy. Maybe it could have been sexier, it's a little sanitized, but um it's fun. Yeah, I enjoyed it. It's a great Pride Month release. I was really happy. There's a scene with a game of heads up that had me crying <laughs> with how accurate it was with just gay men and act- actresses and oscars it's just perfect it's great yeah i i would highly recommend it it's on hulu so you know there's no risk just just i i said oh boy because you said fire island and i thought of the the what's the the fire thing ja fire Rule. festival fire fest oh uh... That's why I was like, oh, is it like a documentary about that crazy shit? I was just Sorry. about to say, how many people do you think opened up Fire Island thinking it's going to be a Fire Festival documentary? 
I mean, mm-hmm. Joel is on the cover of it just butt-ass naked, so I hope they know what they're getting into. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's a group of group of gay friends. They travel to Fire Island. Margaret Cho is a friend that has a house on the island that houses them every year. And it's just like shenanigans, falling in love, pride and prejudice. It's great. How's Bo and Yang? He's, he's really charming. And um, my favorite person in the cast is uh, Conrad uh, Rickamora. He was on How to Get Away with Murder for a while, and he is the Mr. Darcy of the movie. Mm. He's so effortlessly charming, charismatic, and just laid back, sexy. It's just, he's really, really good, and I was really happy to see him in a, a starring role like this. So I highly recommend it. It's my quiz. Hmm. Mel, have you well, been watching Mel, anything? We'll watch something else then. Oof. I guess I'll just sleep. Um, no, I'm on the same thing. I like, get home from work, watch a movie for the pod in chunks. Maybe, and then um, maybe an episode of Boy Meets World. No, deadass. I was going to say Golden Girls. Oh, but it will be it will be Boy Meets World here soon enough. Yes, because podcast promoting another podcast, um, Daniel Fischel and Sean Hunter. I don't even know his Ryder real name Strong. right now. Ryder Strong. Yeah. Uh, Daniel Official, Ryder Strong, and Will Friedle are doing a Boy Meets World podcast. And God damn it, I'm so excited. I cannot so wait. We're going to do a rewatch. It's going to happen. It's already happened twice over now, but I'm due for another one. <laughs> <laughs> it's about that time. This could be uh, on or off the mic really yeah. quick. Rashawn, have you watched Heartstopper yet? Oh, I, I started really it. Good. You started, started it? it. Yeah, okay, I'm so, so excited. Yeah. I just read the first one in our flight that we took <laughs> last weekend. And I literally, like, I was so mad at myself because I finished it in about an hour. Yeah. And I was so mad that I didn't bring the other two because I have the full series to read. Sam, like, gave them to me and I was like, boom, done, finished. Yeah, they're so... Okay, so Heartstopper <laughs> is a really cute queer teen romance graphic graphic novel novel. um and i read that over the weekend it's on netflix right now as a series is it just the first book or is it all three in one season i've only seen two episodes so i I don't know how much they cover but the artwork in the graphic novel is really beautiful and if you're looking for something really quick and just so sweet it's so sweet um it's a really easy read yeah, I, I'd highly recommend it. And I will hopefully be reporting back soon about the series. It was between Fire Island, I started Heartstopper, and I'm also on season two of Love, Victor. So there's just like a lot mm. of queer TV. I, I love it. But also, fucking Cronenberg is back, baby. I saw Crimes of the Future. Oh! What the, the fuck is that? <laughs> I mean... <laughs> I don't even know what to say. I don't even know if I liked it. But David Cronenberg has another movie out in the in the atmosphere. Please just go watch it. I don't know if I would recommend it to people on this pod. Uh-oh. It's a malignant situation. It's not a malignant. But maybe, like, watch The Fly or Cosmopolis or... just. I, I feel like just watch the trailer and that's enough of, like... Yeah, you'll get the vibe if what it's you're gonna or not. <laughs> yeah, I saw the trailer because I almost went to go watch it with you, but yeah. our schedules didn't align. So it was I was like I have no idea, but I go into most movies not knowing a damn thing. So it's fucked up, but he's back, baby. 
You enjoyed it then? Thumbs up? A thumb. <laughs> okay. <laughs> wow. Thumb there. A thumb up or there's just a thumb? A floating thumb? There's just a, a floating thumb. Eight, oh. eight of them, like sticking out of my body. Uh, all right. Is that it? I'm ready to get into it today. What are we fighting about, y'all? Lacey. Babe. We watched fucking Inception. Yeah, we did. Fuck yeah, we did. Wait, fucking Inception? Hold I on, I watched the wrong one. one. Woo! <laughs> Hold on. This is the dub version again. Inception is a 2010 action sci-fi epic of a movie. It is written and directed by Christopher Nolan, starring Leonardo DiCaprio, Joseph Gordon-Levitt, Elliot Page, Tom Hardy, Ken Watanabe, Killian Murphy, Marion Cotillard, and Michael Caine. Inception is the story of Don Cobb, a thief with the rare ability to enter people's dreams and steal their secrets from their subconscious. His skill has made him a hot commodity in the world of corporate espionage, but has also cost him everything he loves. Cobb gets a chance at redemption when he is offered a seemingly impossible task. Plant an idea in someone's mind. If he succeeds, it will be the perfect crime, but a dangerous enemy anticipates Cobb's every move. It's fucking inception, you guys. <laughs> like, this movie... Okay, we'll start with this. This is not typically a Lacey movie. This is not something I think anyone except my husband would have ever expected me to bring on the podcast. But I fucking love this movie. I fucking love this movie. I saw it when it first came out, and I think I have seen this movie over ten times. Every time... I find new things about each character that I love. I find new things that bend my perception of the movie, of reality and what reality can mean to people. Um, I My favorite movie of all time is Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. So I love things that are cerebral. I love things that work with memory and your brain and, I mean, this movie has everything. It is cerebral. It's action-packed. It's bizarre. It's incredibly acted by an ensemble cast that's just exciting to watch. Yeah, I fucking love this movie, and I know Josh does too. So, Josh, let's start it out positive before it's household versus household. <laughs> This movie's fucking awesome, top to bottom. I, this movie's fucking awesome. It's a it's a it's a heist movie. I'm a sucker for heist movies, and it's a heist movie directed by Christopher Nolan. Which if you know anything about me, you know I fucking love the cast. Is one of the most stacked casts of all time until Oppenheimer comes out. I suck a dick. I don't care. This movie is awesome. Great. Okay. I, I don't know what else to say. This movie's fucking awesome. 
<laughs> you you covered it all. The cast, the plot, the action is is for as cerebral and thought provoking as this movie is. The action is even better. Ah, all right. Time. That's my time. I yield my time. <laughs> Mella, <laughs> let's hear it. Um, I'm coming to you today. I'm in the middle of the ring today. I really oh. don't. In the middle. Not in the middle. I don't. <laughs> I don't know. What? Uh, let's just make that very clear. Um, what when was I, it? Wait, what was it? Meaning what? I'm in I'll the middle. The I'm middle, not though. loving it. I'm not hating it. We No, we know what in the middle means. But Lacey was what, like, what? oh my God, yay. So I'm like, yeah, hold on, hold on, hold on, pull up. fully expected you to just be like, I fucking hated it. This was no, I, I I don't because obviously this is a not a Lacey movie. No, not ever. But halfway through it, so my third watch in because I watched this in segments, not because I fell asleep, just time wise. Um, I was like, oh, Eternal Sunshine, got it. Okay, I get it now. But. I don't think we can compare the two. The only comparison you can have is just like the time jumps and like you said, the cerebral cerebral part of it. But with that, we always on other episodes kind of connect with getting lost in the plot. Mm-hmm. So I'm coming here today very confused at how you are not confused at this movie even at the first watch, down to the fucking 10th watch. So yeah, I'm mid on this movie right now. I feel like I have to discuss it with my my friends. And maybe I can make a point at the end of this. Maybe I'll, I'll make a, a decision as to how I feel about it. I am... See, let's go, babe. Okay. <laughs> Sleeves up. Let's Henry Cavill it. And uh, <laughs> let's go. Because I know what's coming from Rashawn. <laughs> I I've do, been, but I don't. I've been excited to talk about this for a while now. Mm. Hey. Hey. <laughs> What's going on? Let's hit me with your best shot, baby. Lacey, I love you. Josh, I, I love you. Carmela, I love you. I'm not going to drag this out. I do not like this fucking movie. I don't get it. <laughs> I wish you could hire Cobb to incept in my mind and tell me that this is a good movie. I don't get because, it. Because, baby, there's not a single thought in his head. That believes that this is a good movie. Oh my god! I don't get it. I don't get it. I don't, I don't get how you. I, first of all, Lacey, you, last week you sat on this podcast and shrugged your beautifully tattooed shoulders at Mission Impossible Fallout, and then got on this here podcast this week and said that you watched this ten times and you love it. Yep. Baby, I'm confused. <laughs> I'm confused by you. We literally were watching it this morning and Josh and I are both like, what doesn't he like? I don't like we really were trying to go like frame by frame in this movie and be like, what is there not to like this? It doesn't make sense to me that you don't like it. We made a game out of it as because we've seen it so much. We could we just kind of talk through it every time something new came up. We were like, maybe he doesn't like that. Maybe he doesn't like that part. Like, I get it. I'm I am an enigma on this show. Absolutely. When I'm dead, cut my brain open and sell it <laughs> to the it. Academy Museum. Oh, Mella. <laughs> I just, um, I, I mean, we've done, this is our second Nolan movie. I have this is our third Nolan been on movie. record. He's, he's not my guy. He's just not my guy. That's our third movie. 
Dark Knight, Tenant, and we haven't we didn't do Tenant. Oh, we, we just, just talked, talked about, about I just talked about Tenant on our best of. Never mind. We did <laughs> and I talked about Dunkirk, which I think is his best movie by a country ass mule mile. This he's not my guy, and this is like the peak Nolanisms that I just I I. You know, if I'm ever sitting at the Hollywood Roundtable and this clip comes up, Christopher, I am so sorry, but I don't get it. I don't get it. Here's the thing, though, because I am not a huge Nolan fan either. Like, I don't seek him out. And especially if we're going based off of what I've seen, Dark Knight, Tenet, and Inception, I would be very mid on him, especially Mm -hmm. after Tenet. But I think I read in the trivia, some of the trivia that I got to on IMDb, because that trivia is extensive, mm-hmm. um, is that this Inception was a concept that Nolan had and he presented it to WB as a concept. He didn't have like a full script written. He had the story idea and they were like, yeah, let's do it. So as he was developing the story and the script, he knew he wanted Leonardo DiCaprio to play Cobb. And there was, like, no other option for him. And Leonardo jumped in and really helped write and develop it and changed what would have been a straight-up action sci-fi into the story of a man who's lost his family. And I think, for me, that's why I love Inception so much and why, honestly, I liked it way more than I liked MI6 because Inception to me is rooted in the hubris and the fault of man. And Mm -hmm. it's not just an action movie happening on screen, even though the action that's happening is amazing and practical and so cool to watch. It's about the people and this team of people. Inception without the Cobb story is Tenet. Yeah. And what I just don't feel like the people in Inception are actual people. They don't. They don't feel real to me. They are though. I'm. Yeah. Yeah, they well, are. So, so. This <laughs> the, is a cool little little tidbit. This I didn't know before this watch today. Nolan wanted the group to feel real. He wanted it to feel like. A cohesive thing he wanted all of the people to feel like living breathing living breathing people so he cast each one of the group members as a person who is part of production so Cobb Leonardo DiCaprio is the director Arthur who is Joseph Gordon-Levitt is the producer Ariadne who is Elliot Page is the production designer Eames Tom Hardy is the actor Sato Ken Watanabe is the studio, and Fisher, Killian Murphy, is the audience. And mm-hmm. that, to me, like... Fucking his, awesome. His quote that he said was, in trying to write a team-based creative process, I wrote the one I know. And, like, knowing that aspect of it just made me love every part of the crew even more. I feel what like... Do you mean, what do you mean? Mm-hmm. That I, that's that's a cool concept, but <laughs> my note still stands is that they they're not real people. They're just exposition machines. Like well, it's that's what I was gonna say. 
No. They are literally just there to bounce off rules upon rules upon rules upon rules. The and o- it, go ahead. The go. only person I would agree with you there is Joseph Gordon-Levitt's character. Everyone else, Ariadne, Eames, Cobb, they all have succinct motivations and 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 hang-ups and faults that even what is even, everyone's motivation outside of cop uh, i feel like especially not ariadne like she literally pulls up they're like she just you, got hired you're good you can do the maze let's go bitch and then we never learn anything about her she's sweet she's great but so then, much so that i'm like why are you keeping this guy's secrets tell everyone yes, else this part what you know Right. I think it's a loyalty thing. I think it's that, I think it's one, it's he brought her on and he brought her, he's taught her everything that he knows. So I think it's that like teacher-student loyalty. I think it's also fear because until she gets down into the basement of his memories, she doesn't know exactly what she's going up against and she doesn't know what they're encountering. And once she does find out, she doesn't leave him. She stays with him until the very end. I think it's loyalty. And I think, I think we get that answer pretty early when, when Ariadne first quits and, and Arthur's like, she'll be back. And I think it's, it's, it's to the point where Ariadne is so smart and so good at this and so creative and so, and, and so type two and like just sees the world differently that once, once they're in the real world, it's not enough, and and it's the same way. I think Ariadne can understand what Mal went through because Ariadne got a taste of the dream world and couldn't stay away, and and came back regardless of the risk, and it that's their drive. I don't disagree with anything you said. I would say that's completely right, but I think what's missing for me is that. With the character of Arthur, he I feel like we have that connection. Like him and Leo have been working for years together. They have this almost like brotherhood from this. It's even like past coworkers, it's family to the point. And we get that even when he's like, ah, oh, yeah, he's going to see Maul in the dreams. He'll come back. It'll be fine. Like the way you would an old friend. But not, that doesn't ever happen with Elliot Page's character. And like you said, Lacey, she sticks with him to the very end. And I'm just wondering why. Like, of course, there's loyalty. But especially when they get to the part where Leo is like, oh, yeah, we're going to go into limbo. Surprise. She's so new to the gang. Why wouldn't she just be like, fuck this? Like, obviously, she can't. But even in that that little connect, there's no connection to him whatsoever. I saw it pretty early on. I saw it as Ariadne just idolizing Cobb. Yeah. And just like, I'll do it. I'll follow you into the gates of hell. And I'll, at this point, I'm trying, also wanting to figure him out, figure him out, figure out this connection of Mal, just sort of putting Cobb on this pedestal and trying to figure out, but also protect him. And, and I, I think there's also a hero complex in it of Ariadne wants to save him, wants mm. to help him. I mean, Arthur has been his number two obviously for a very long time and there's that loyalty there but I think for the whole the team as a whole I think there's also an aspect of like this is what's gonna get 
Cobb to be able to go back home. This mm-hmm. this mission just, is going to get him home. Taking all the sci-fi of it away, if if we were robbing a bank, yeah, four of us, and Josh is our leader. Hell yeah, yeah. And every time we tried to run into the bank, Sam ran in behind him and called the cops on us. Why would we keep robbing banks with Josh? Like, it just doesn't. And I idolize Josh. I'm like, he's the best fucking bank robber this side of the, the West, Mississippi. I guess. This side of the Mississippi. But Sam, every time we try to rob a bank, Sam is there. And he's like, well, you used to be my best friend, and I'm fucking this mission up well, every no, single time. It's it's Sam shows up, is dialing 9-1, and I get to him before he finishes 1. That's the, that's the thing. Cobb has always been able to handle Mal. She's shown up. She's fucked around. But Cobb is, oh, like Arthur said, Cobb has always, even at the last second, been able to to handle it, tamp it back down. But so he's like, Sam does it. The first, the first opening mission, she fucks it up. She works with Ken. The training session, she stabs Ariadne, and then in the end, she shoots Killian Murphy. Like she, he does not end, have a hold on her. At the end, yes, I would say though that the beginning is not that big of a deal because they expected the first level of the opening in Saito's the, the audition for Saito. They expected that first one to be found out pretty early. That's why mm-hmm. they have two layers. So I think that's neither here nor there. It's just I I just wish it was. Because Marion Cotillard is not able to be bad. And I wish that that movie, Cobb and Mal learning about Inception, creating that world together, and her slowly losing her grip on reality, that's a fucking good movie. That's a great movie. Mm -hmm. But we're getting all that in flashbacks and exposition and that emotional connection. When they get to that scene on the window, when she's jumping, it just doesn't, there's no weight to it because. He's just telling it to Ariane, and it's already happened, and it she's just a, a ghost throughout this movie because he doesn't know how to write women. And it just doesn't, it just doesn't, it doesn't click. It doesn't click at all. I feel like it works, though. I feel like it works because the, the reason Mal has so much power is because of how much Cobb loves her and loved mm-hmm. her. And, you know, at this point, we as an audience have accepted that she's gone and she's not a part of the real world anymore. So mm-hmm. our only connection to her is through Cobb, through Cobb's experiences, and through Cobb, how Cobb feels about her. Mm-hmm. So all of that works for me. And Marion Cotillard does such a gorgeous job with how little she is given to do that... I watch her do anything, dude. She's fight. She's fighting against some horrible lines. She's, yeah, she she's is. she's heavy lifting. She should her have, lines are pretty melodramatic. Her lines. She are should have tough. some triceps and biceps and. <laughs> but it works because she's French and beautiful and just so so good. Romantic. She's yeah. never bad. She's never bad. No, I I will say this is why I've always liked her stuff, or at least accepted her stuff, is that. We know Mal is dead, and we know it's a projection of of Cobb's self conscious this whole time. But I think, I think for me at least, watching it the first couple of times, it was always like, well, why the fuck, 
or at least the first time. It's like, why the fuck? Why does he care? Like, she's dead. What? She keeps ruining his life. Da, da, da. But like seeing that backstory and hearing him explain to Ariadne, like, this is what happened. This is how she died. This was our relationship. It it adds credence to the fact that Cobb just won't let it go. It's like, oh, it was a tragedy and you're traumatized. That's that's why. For me, it was just an explainer on on why Mal is still terrorizing his subconscious. And like, I know, I know this isn't an excuse for how it's written, but that moment where he's holding her at the end and she's dying and he says, you're not even a shadow of what Mal was. That my imagination in all of its facets could not create the wonderful, beautiful complexity that is you. And so you have to go. Like, I mean, I know that doesn't justify bad writing or whatever, but like, it's, no, it's a test. I agree with you. It's a great moment. It's a <clears> testament <throat> to like, that's not her. It's not her. Even at, not. at his hardest trying, it's not good enough. I think for me, it would <laughs> be okay. Cause that didn't bother me so much. I do agree, but it didn't bother me too much. But I think show me don't tell me and this whole movie is completely just narrated to the fucking end of the earth god damn it i don't feel that way though what do you mean he's talking the whole time like the whole time the whole time time. he's literally like elliot this is how we do things so you're gonna go in here and you're like okay that's fine because we as an audience are learning and so is she and then it just keeps happening Whereas, like, just fucking show me. You're Christopher Nolan. You're all about the big set pieces and what everything. So just show it to me. Especially when it's these, like, romantic little quiet moments with Maul. I would have loved to just see it happen. You don't have to have Leo's voice being like, oh, this is the hotel where we had our anniversary. And there she is walking to the table, grabbing a glass of wine. Like, god damn, let her just fucking do it. Just let it her just fucking grab the wine. It, it, there's a, there's a, a peak, like, emotional moment for the team after they get attacked in the first level. And they're all in the warehouse yelling at each other. But they're they're yelling out exposition. He's like, no. Once this happens, we're in limbo. And that da 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 And I'm like, we're in act two. Why are you still telling that's me the rules I mean. of this world? Like, well, it that's, just... That's, a, that's... He has to. That's something that would happen for real. Like, if these people didn't know about limbo, you'd be screaming it at them because they're about... Like, Ames has a gun. He's about to shoot himself in the head. You have to scream it at him to get it across. Like, don't do that or you're going to be stuck. And and that's see in these moments there's certain mo- it's just that there's no pick and choosing like if there is this moment where he's like fuck we're in limbo blah 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 so it's like he's not just telling us as the audience he's telling the other people in the movie that would make sense to me but I feel like there's so much explaining before and after that where it's just too much it just makes way it, it makes the whole thing exposition. Can I tell you, though, Mella, you are like, I don't understand how you don't get lost in the sauce. I don't understand how you understand this movie. It is well, because of that. It is because I feel like I'm learning along with Elliot Page. I feel like I'm learning along with Art. Like I feel like I'm part of this crew, and I'm learning things as we go with the crew. But it's all bullshit. It's all bullshit. It's not like, bullshit. It is, but... Here's the thing, and we said this during Multiverse of Madness. Mm. 
you have carte blanche to do whatever you want. You are mm-hmm. dealing in people's dreams. And I feel like Christopher Nolan doesn't trust that people would just ride with it because mm-hmm. he has to he has to tell you A, B, C, D every step of the way. And it it just like trips you up because you're like, just take me on the ride, dude. I'm in your hands. I trust you. Memento, Dark Knight, like just do it. And I feel like he has to be like, wait, 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 wait. If we don't explain them what's going on right now, they're going to get lost. So let me have Arthur and Dom and Eames tell us what's going on three times. But it's all like mama jumbo and it doesn't make sense. I can't think of anything. I can't think of any wasted exposition though. Everything is necessary from the kicks to the It's not that it's wasted. It's that it's excessive. Yeah. And I can't think of anything. Just just do it. You know? (laughs) Stop telling me. Stop telling me about it. Just do it. I feel like it enhances it though because I I hate exposition. I do. I I've complained about I've complained about it on this podcast many a time. Exposition bothers me, but when it enhances the world and the storytelling that is happening in the movie, like little things, like I understand what you're saying. Like when we go into the first level and it's raining outside because the chemist has to pee. Like that's funny mm-hmm. shit. I don't care. I don't care. It's genius. But just, we but will, just do it. Okay, do but like we wouldn't you, have known that. How do you like, know? That's such a cool little funny connection. Like, but you don't have to tell us. Like just, just do it. What you know you, what I mean? Like, like how though? What are you talking about? How are we supposed to know that? He's just supposed to like wiggle to... in his seat. <laughs> he's got to go. I'm just saying, like visually, I think I think Nolan does scope better than anyone. Like that's his superpower. And I think if you visually just tried to tell me that instead of being like, ah, Carmela's wiggling in her seat. I guess she has to go number one. And look, now it's raining in Lacey's Zoom call. Like, it, you just don't tell me that. Just show it oh, to me. Oh, like she's peeing on the screen and, okay. I don't know. Maybe yeah. it's because, like Carmela and I have said, like, we get lost in movies like this. So I feel like... I don't know. Maybe I'm just dumb and I enjoy my nah, hand being held in a movie dumb. like this. You're not dumb. This movie thinks that you're dumb. Yeah. And wants you to walk away thinking that you're so smart, but you're already you were already smart. Guess before what? You it worked. This. You were already smart before <laughs> they turned this movie on, though. I want to say before we get off this peeing thing, <laughs> I feel like this movie is like so serious, and like <laughs> maybe <laughs> it is. But like halfway through, I was like, "God damn, Cobb hasn't cracked a smile once," and he just saw his or his wife. Like, fuck, it's so serious, and I'm not expecting a comedy. I would never see this poster, see the trailer, <laughs> see the fucking director, and think, "Hey, I'm gonna have a few chuckles." But this is a movie about dreams, right? And it's like anyone who's listening to this, and anyone that's in this room, we've had some fucked up dreams where you're like. I can tell you that I was like in my house as a kid and then I walked outside and I was on a stage and I just feel like dreams are fucking weird. And they even talk about this. You can't like connect the dream sometimes. It's just like is weird and it doesn't make sense. I feel like to me there wasn't enough of that. Well, there can't but be that. Exactly. The... Go ahead, Josh. Why can't there be that? That's Why? the whole point. If they know they're dreaming, it's shot. The mission's over. That's the that's why it's difficult. That's why they have. But the, that's here's wh- the thing, though. This is not real, so you can just get rid of that rule. Like that's just like the, I mean? and the, the fact thing. that we're in the third act and we're in 
I think four different people's dreams and they all look the same drab gray. Mm-hmm. Huh? Like, have a little fun. The you hotel know what I mean? like, is all red and rich and colorful. But it still oh, has like the, the same like the wash of it's, it. They're all the same. They're that's all just the a, same. That's just a WB movie. No. <laughs> like, like, even if it was like something as simple as like, oh, I forgot to go pee and now it's raining in my dream. Because I can think of a time where I really had to pee but I wanted to keep sleeping and I keep pouring water in the dream that's something that happens in real life so I'm like even if it was like those small moments where you're like oh yeah this is a movie about dreams it doesn't have to be something drastic where it's like okay now Arthur's in a a cartoon like that's not what I'm talking about but just little small things that make it a dream those things are in there though like like someone getting trained to protect their subconscious against thievery, so they have a fucking uh, a, a militia in there that is not part of it. That's that's a weird part of a dream that like is outlandish, but in a yeah. cool masculine way. <laughs> yeah, that's that's the thing. It's that it's it's very like oh, like it's super. I know this is a high bar to hold movies to, and it's like a twelve year gap. But think of the entrance of the villain in everything, everywhere, all at once. That is so. She's beating people with dildos. It's <laughs> like, a totally different movie. Heads. This it's is a, a totally not different movie. It, it, it is. It is. It is. I'm just saying that Christopher Nolan is feels trapped in a box that nobody put him in, and it mm. and it seems. I'm cozy like, in this motherfucking box. I don't care. I, don't I want know. out. I don't know that it's like necessarily that he's trapped though. Like this is just his storytelling. Like this is the way that he tells stories. And no, listen, and they I, don't always work it. for me. Clearly, we've talked about it. But this one does. This one really does. Lacey, have you not seen The Prestige? No. Oh, no, I've seen The Prestige is uh, Hugh Jackman and Chris, Christian yeah. Bale, right? Yes. You I don't like The Prestige? I love The Prestige. Oh, okay. I was like, hold on, girl. That's like I a did Lacey. not realize that was Nolan. See? Oh, okay. I don't know. There you go. I want to talk about, I want to piggyback off of Mel's serious accusation. Talk about my favorite part of this movie. That's Tom motherfucking Hardy. Oh, baby, I forgot he was in this movie. Oh, my God. Should have what? He should have been cop. Look, this is the first thing I ever saw Tom Hardy. Don't come for Leo, please. I key, though. I (laughs) key. You guys. Do you want, now, hold on. Do you want Tom Hardy to play Cobb or do you want Eames to be Cobb? Both. Because this is the first movie I ever saw Tom Hardy in, and when I walked out of the theater, I couldn't stop thinking about him. Your I was dick like, was hard. Yeah, I know. This sure. dude, like, honestly, that the first scene when you're introduced to him and they're, like, eating or having a drink and just talking, mm-hmm. Tom Hardy, without having any lines, pulls focus from Leo. Like, they cut to Tom Hardy just living. Bean. He's fucking magnetic. And I think he, I think he, in the same way that, like, whether or not you liked his tone, Jason Momoa in Dune... Tom Hardy in Inception, mm. like he's he's the fun part. He's the levity. He's the he's the exciting guy. Mm-hmm. But there's, I'm just saying, overall, there is no rule that says the whole movie can't be like that. Even dealing with the whole Cobb and Mall storyline, the whole movie can still feel fun. This feels like homework. You know, homework. It feels like homework, dude. You know what I think it is, and I hesitate to say this because I. I love him as an actor, and I really enjoyed him in this movie. But I think, I think the scales are tipping because of Arthur. I think Joseph Gordon-Levitt's character is a little too serious. 
when he he doesn't need to be. I think Cobb needs to be serious personally, and I think Ariadne is is the audience conduit. So mm-hmm. I think Ariadne is like kind of perfectly neutral. Yeah, I That's Elliot it. Page is way too fucking talented for that nothing burger of a part, <laughs> and like like Tom Hardy brings incredible charisma and talent and star power to a part that is so underwritten that is literally just there as the audience surrogate audience surrogates are fine but just audience surrogates are not cool one of the best moments that elliot does in this is ariadne is when he's auditioning for leo's character and leo gives is doing the mazes mm-hmm. and when leo hands over the the paper it was like no fool me and like this is the little smirk that elliot gives to flip and mm-hmm. it is the yeah. fucking awesome this movie's awesome it's awesome it's not you know what's awesome the hallway fight yeah, yeah. let's talk about that shit before we get really nice i feel like that was the idea that this whole movie was written around mm-hmm. and the whole movie should have been that right there but we have to get through so much stuff to get to those. But it's so minutes. rewarding once we get there. Oh my god, it's it's it it, it is. But I'm exhausted by the time we got there. <laughs> like holy shit, man! I'm like ready. I'm ready for it. That's ser- it's the series of kicks and dude. Oh. Okay, so let's talk about the hallway fight. The hallway fight is happening between Arthur and the security guards mm-hmm. that are the subconscious attacking him yeah and he's buying time before the next kick and trying to figure out how to establish the next kick joseph gordon levitt did all of his own stunts for this movie too which i thought was i mean another tom cruise thing but like you know josh and i watch it we've watched this movie multiple times together watching it today it's like Watching an actor do shit like that is why I want to make movies. Like that's mm-hmm. that hallway Absolutely. scene. That, I said like you could you could read that hallway scene a hundred times on a screenplay in a book. You could read it a hundred times and you wouldn't even you wouldn't get a fraction of the feeling you get seeing it. It's yeah. just like seeing it done this well and this flawlessly. Practically. Practically. Boy howdy. I got to take a shower, dude. <laughs> so talk about it, Rashawn. Say some nice things. Yeah. It's great. <laughs> great. Mello? <laughs> no, I mean, I love the physics of it. I love I love the levels of the dream. Again, this is a great idea, great concept. I love the fact that he's driving the van and it spins so the hallways. Like, that's just simple. But it, we don't get there simply. You know what I mean? And I, I just think, look, I'm a writer. I'm not Christopher Nolan. I just think if you have to, if you have to have something mundane explained incredibly well, that's better than explaining something super complex horribly. And I think that that is what this movie is doing. I know. I don't remember them ever talking about. Well, if we spin in one dream, we're gonna spin in the next one. I think that's just shown. Oh. They do. They spend a lot of time talking about. Well, if this happens in this level, then it's gonna be five minutes, nope. and then twenty minutes, and then. 
they don't talk about the physics of the dream into dream. They only talk about the time lapse. And they show, they show the physicality, like they show early JGL getting slapped and him like moving in the next level down. Yeah. Yeah. I, I guess I'm just saying, just do that then. They did. I'm repeating. <laughs> they did. I'm repeating myself. They did, I'm repeating Rashawn. myself. I know, but they have to talk about so much shit. A lot of talking. It's Listen, a lot of, it's I a lot of feel like you just don't like this movie because it's not how you would have done this concept. That's true. Well, that yeah. I do feel that way. Yeah, I I'm not would a writer. Not disagree with you at all. But Mela's also this. Nah, is a, she's think... middle of the road, and I think we're swaying her. No, we're not. No, we're not. I know. No, we're not. I know. I know. We're not. <laughs> no, because I. The, one of the first things I was gonna say is like. I like the concept of this movie, but I don't necessarily like how it's played out because I too love Eternal Sunshine. And I think on paper, if I were to read that script, not having had watched it, I'd be like, okay, holy shit. Um, let me read it again. And then you watch it and you're like, oh, it's, it's complex only because of the idea, but it's simple when you're watching it mm-hmm. versus this i'm like oh it's kind of complex the whole time like the first time i watched it i was like i don't know what the fuck i just watched <laughs> and then i think i've grown a little bit and so when i watched it recently i was like oh i i get it but i still don't think i like it enough aside from the concept i think though it comes back to what i said at the beginning however long ago i said it i've said this already sorry but the fact that it's not just a heist movie about planting this idea in this random broker's brain. It's not just that. It is also a complex story about a man who deceived his wife and deceived his spouse. And because of that, he's paying the price of not only her life, which he lost, she lost, but he's paying the price of his children's lives now and he's he's paying for it with his life and not being able to go home. And yeah, but that part is handled horribly. How? What are you it's talking just, it's about? Just, he's just he's just not good at the, like the emotion side of it. I, I, I think and that's maybe it's a personal thing, but I think that's why Dunkirk works so well, is that he just has this huge canvas to do a scope. And the people in the movie and the situations that they're in ring out the emotion as opposed to him doing all this backstory legwork and having two incredible actors try to sell it. Because the story of Cobb and Mal is told to us in bits and pieces through exposition as opposed to just letting it happen. Great example. You and I were on IDYP and we did Shutter Island. This is like almost the exact same role that Leo's playing. Mm-hmm. And that movie, I mean, it's Martin Scorsese. It's not but that the same. Movie, it's not the same. It's not the same. Go ahead. It's it's not the same. Go ahead. What's different? Wife's still dead. Still wet. He's <laughs> mentally broken in Shutter Island. He is not. You don't think he's mentally broken in this? Yes, but in what a different way, Rashawn. Drenched. I, I know in a different way, not, not in a clinical, Closed concrete out. way. But I, but this is a movie about the mind. Like he's awesome. The kids are cutting up. The kids are cutting up. <laughs> Mom and dad are fighting again. <laughs> you lost us. 
stuck on wet wipes. Knees, new drawers. <laughs> I mean, isn't that a whole meme? Like that Leo has the dead wives club. He had yes. Revolutionary Road, Shutter Island, and Inception. <laughs> it was a thing. But in that movie, that those flashbacks are also used to kind of show us what happened to Michelle Williams. But it's so integral to what's happening on Shutter Island that it never feels like patched on the way that this does. But what's happening with Maul is integral and in what's happening with Cobb. Like, that's the thing for me. The story is not... That's, that's I think, what I've been trying to say this whole time. The story of this movie to me is not about Inception. It's about... It's about relationship. It's about Cobb and his wife. I agree with you. I just so think for me, there's a lot of talk about Inception for it to not be about Inception. You know what Inception. I mean? Because Mal, 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 as we know her, this this reaper of a of the specter of a subconscious, Mal, as we know her, was created because of Inception. Yeah, I think. I think Cobb's inherent character flaw is hypocrisy. I think every every problem they come across is because of Cobb's hypocrisy. And that mm-hmm. I think we find out at the end that that is so far reaching even as to hit Maul. And the fact that he's willing to do this again, it's like, it's pride. He's a hypocrite. I think Cobb is a bad dude. Mm-hmm. And I think we're seeing the effects of that and how it, it's affecting those around him. Including mainly his family i mean arthur literally says at one point ah so you're catching on to how little Cobb follows his own rules he's not a good guy i guess the then don't hype him up to be like the best extractor extractor that there is you know what i mean but he's if he's like down on his luck he lost the job and this is like his 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 one chance to prove how good he is at extracting and he has to like break all the rules to prove that, then that's something to work towards. But everyone's like, yeah, this guy's great. He's the best. He does it. Nobody's better than him. And his wife's walking around doing willy-nilly bullshit in every dream. But he and I'm is like, the best that's at That's not it. the same. But he's not. He he's is, horrible though. at it. He is. That's, the, that's what I'm saying. Is aside, I will get, I'll give you Mal shooting Robert, Killian Murphy. But aside from that, Cobb always covers his tracks. He's the best at it. That's why Saito has that audition for him in the first place. Yeah. I, I just think his like his reputation precedes him. But it, I don't know. Like The biggest plot hole for me is like, why is this guy still allowed to do his job and put all of these people in danger? If he was like, make him the mark. You know what I'm saying? I don't. <laughs> I, I'm looking at your face. <laughs> but like, make him the mark the greatest extractor there ever was and we have to convince him that his wife is no longer with him and maul is the big bad of the movie as opposed to him being the hero and nobody just taking him the difference between teddy and Cobb is that they both have trauma and are dealing with mental trauma Mm. but teddy's is being dealt with he Teddy from Shutter it. Island. From Shutter Island. Because we're still talking about a different movie. Got it. Got it, got it. Because <laughs> oh, we never do that on Mom the Mom and podcast. Dad didn't get to finish their argument. You know, okay. what, you know what the difference is? You know what a big difference is? I'll, I'll, I'll see your Shutter Island is 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 their sidekicks. Uh, Mark Ruffalo's character, 
the Shutter Island. Is I, I know the ending. He's not actually his sidekick, whatever, whatever. But he's always there, sort spoiler of. Spoiler alert, Josh. Jeez. Take it easy. I know he's there as a sort of job, but he's also there, like kind of telling Teddy, no, da 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 da. Arthur, on this rewatch, I realized Arthur is one of the most toxic people you could have in your life. Mm-hmm. Arthur is such an enabler; it's insane. Like when Ariadne is like, "I don't know if you can't see it or you just choose not to," but he's broken. Maul is a killer. Da 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 da. da. And then again, when Arthur's like, <laughs> "Cobb doesn't follow his own rules," and it's like, "Yeah, man, you're probably the only one that could rein him in. Rein him in." So I think Cobb's one of Cobb's. The one of the biggest things working against Cobb is Arthur. This might be just me filling in blanks because I've seen this movie a dozen times, but Arthur lets Cobb get away with so much, yeah, up to and including letting Maul run amok, that I think it's only it, it's only harming him in the long run. But but he doesn't know the full extent. He doesn't know that this is the real Maul. He thinks that this is just like an apparition. He doesn't know that Cobb has her down like is holding those memories yeah he thinks this is just like a passing memory so he's not enabling him he doesn't know and the person that does know who just met him won't (laughs) just tell on him (laughs) okay but what's up if you just got hired for your dream job roshan Mm -hmm. yes you just got hired by your idol for your dream Mm -hmm. job okay okay Yes. And you find out, oh shit, this person does a line every time before they write. Or this person, this person, I don't know. This person does something despicable. This person's person's wife walks into the room and stabs me every time I go over to the house. No, because we're not in a dream, Rashawn. We're in real life. She straight up stabs Ariadne. What I'm trying to say, Rashawn, is if you just started at your dream job with your idol and they Uh did something shady, but like also hurt them in the long Mm -hmm. run and was hurting Mm -hmm. them, would you immediately run and go tell on them? No. If that's Ariadne. But if the stakes, like they are in this movie, were life and death, absolutely. But she doesn't know it's life and death until they're in there. Go ahead. Wow. Ariadne only knows Mal is yet. Ariadne knows Mal is like dangerous and like, and I think I think you're right. That's why Arthur is just kind of blasé about it too. Is because the worst that could happen is Mal comes in, makes you feel a little pain in the dream, and then you wake up. We don't know until we're in the first level of 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 the Robert Fisher mission that dying could send you to limbo. And that's again why why Cobb freaks out and yells at everybody. So it's too late by then. It's too late to tell on anybody. And like Cobb said, the only way forward is down. You have to keep going, keep going further into the levels. Because if they stayed in, if they stayed in level one. They're surrounded by this like paramilitary force. So by then it's too late. There's no one to tell on. There's no point in telling. So before the Fisher mission. Mal was just a nuisance that might maybe ruin a mission here and there. And it doesn't become life or death until it's too late to do anything about it. And then once it does, she's like, everybody else needs to keep to get out of here and I'll go with them. Because mm. I, okay, I, another scenario. You got your dream job. Mm-hmm. The boss invites you over for dinner. Mm-hmm. 
you sneak up to the master bedroom and see that his wife is dead in his closet. <laughs> Do you say something? To him? Period. Are you just like, see you on Monday, Hank? Or are you like, oh my God, what the hell? Your wife is in the closet. Yeah, of course you say something. She's She says something to, to Cobb. So you would just be like, hey, Hank, uh, Helen's upstairs. Well, that's the thing. <laughs> What Cobb is doing is the story look with good. that. She doesn't look good. <laughs> Helen doesn't look too good. She doesn't look great. <laughs> what Cobb is doing isn't illegal. Again, it's just as far as they know, until until the Fisher mission starts, a nuisance and just kind of weird. Like it's and like he's mourning. He's mourning. He's he misses his wife. Take a leave, Hank. Take a leave. <laughs> I want to talk about more action scenes, please. Okay, uh, sorry. I'm gonna let it go. I'm gonna let it go. Okay, what action scenes do you want to talk about, Josh? Mountain scene is dope as shit. Are you well, kidding avalanche me? moment? With Eames skiing away and setting traps and freaking doing a 180. And dope as shit. Are you kidding me? That's it. That's, I mean, it is cool. It is cool. I mean, it's, it's, I mean, Rashawn has touched on it in his negative diatribes. The scope, every action scene, the big set pieces... Our, Not our, diatribes. Our, <laughs> our Nolan perfection. But like, like, to me, in this movie, the action sequences are just vessels to get us to the next part of the story. And that's why I mm-hmm. like it so much. Like, that scene on the mountain is just to get us inside, to get us into the room for Fincher's... Fincher? Right. Fisher. 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 No, you didn't. <laughs> no, you didn't. Don't you dare evoke his name on this we've, episode. We've also been... Praising some performances. Killian Murphy is... Oh my god, he's so no, good. He's so good. Like, Lacey, the moment that you pointed out. Yeah, my favorite Killian Murphy Fisher moment is at the very, very end when they're exiting the airport and Cobb is walking by everybody. And, uh, you know, everyone's giving him the knowing, like, yeah, we did it. Never mm-hmm. gonna see you again. You know, the, like, congratulations, the smiles, you know, whatever. And Killian Murphy looks up, sees Cobb, and you just see this moment of recognition where you go like, oh, fuck, that guy was in my dream. That mm-hmm. that was the guy in my dream. But, like, he shakes it off. It's, like, literally a three-second moment, and it's, you know exactly what he's thinking and feeling. It's, it's mwah, superb. Future Academy Award winner Killian Murphy crushes it in this movie. Calling it now. <laughs> I'm bet I'm betting that shit. What? Nothing. What, what do you say? Mean? He what don't do you like mean? him. What do you no, not like about Killian Murphy? Pause. <laughs> Killian Murphy is great. The the deathbed scene, incredible. Amazing. I don't think crushes it in this movie. Is all I was gonna say. Proceed. <laughs> you just. I mean, in your in your plot of Cobb being the Mark Fisher doesn't exist, so you don't even need the character. So, what what does that have to do? That so you're biased. That's what I'm saying. I'm biased against Killian Murphy. Yeah, you're biased against Fisher. You don't even want the character to exist. He, I, I he's fine. I don't know. I've seen this movie like five fine. times. He's, he's fine. Shit. He's great. His eyes are oh my God. deep valleys. Mella, have we swayed you in no. one direction or the other? <laughs> mm. Well, I, you know what? I but take that as a win. I, I take do, that as a win. Um, I enjoyed this. 
enjoyed <laughs> recording the episode the... or <laughs> listening or to the fight while you sat there and giggled? I... Yeah. <laughs> um yeah i mean i think i i didn't get swayed either way i do i agree with like a lot of everything y'all are saying for the most part but then there's like certain things that i'm like oh i wish it was just this like i just wish i could change a little bit of that Mm. what was your favorite moment scene part performance whatever did you have a fate did you walk away with going um i think when which is going to be kind of, you're going to be like, oh, well, you're talking about the exposition. But when he, he's showing Elliot Page, oh, this is even, not even necessarily Cobb, but I think Joseph also shows, Arthur also shows her where it's like, oh, you can, if there's a staircase, it can go around or you can move it. And she kind of starts like trying things on her own. Mm-hmm. And she's like, she moves the mirror door. Like, this was, like, that. that's what I mean. That's the cool stuff that I was like, oh, this is, like, a dream. She can do whatever the fuck she wants, and she starts having fun with it. That's, I think, what this whole movie was for me. That I. That's why I'm confused why you guys hated this portion of it so much, is that I felt like the exposition was happening both at the same... We were seeing it and hearing it at the same time, which mm-hmm. I didn't really have a problem with because the visuals were so scrumptious. Yeah, but we don't need to hear it. You do. Some of I us mean, do, Rashawn. Me, like, I do. Lacey, you're brilliant. Shut up. Sure. <laughs> Best, cool, coolest, coolest fucking moment. Coolest callback moment. Piggyback on Mala. When JGL, when Arthur is like running from all the security and he gets into the into the emergency exit of the, of, of the hotel. And then he like gets to the stairs. He looks up at the guy. And then you get the bird's eye view of Joseph doing the infinite stairs just back to behind the security guard. Mm. That shit was dope as hell. <laughs> relax. Real quick. It was, Rashawn. Relax, relax, relax. The quick kiss between JGL and Elliot. No, thank is you. Is that, what is, what is that? I don't even remember that. I think it's. It I, should have been Tom Hardy. Mm. No, we and, just didn't need it. And Arthur or Tom uh, and Ariadne? Arthur and oh okay well it's just like i thought for a second that he was just kind of being funny like oh right like that's the whole point is just like oh give me a kiss but then her face shows that she's kind of into it and then they never pick it up again i think there is an underlying flirtation between them after having seen it a thousand million times i think arthur is very much into ariadne but it's not even a b plot that mm. reads like a, a studio wants a romance yeah to or me. nolan can't do sex sorry there i said it Oof. I yeah mean, you're sexual. not wrong nothing there, sexual about him there's not a drip of sex in any of the dark knight movies despite not a marion fucking cultiard yeah, I mean and, it could have. Leo looks like a fucking snack in this movie. I just he want does. to say that he does. A he looks five good. He's shadow. So handsome. And it would have been so easy to do. Like it wouldn't have to been this full fledged romance. Like it didn't even have to be all that. But it could have. I mean, they're right fucking there. They can just flirt, give a little eye, give a little something. But it, it's so weird that it gets to that point, and I was just like, wait, what? Like it was so such a stark 
moment of like what the fuck is happening this is out of nowhere I don't know I just I just accept it I accept yeah I mean that's all you can do yeah you're just like oh all right. There's so much other shit going on. Yeah. I just let it go. I know I I know now it's been confirmed otherwise, so if we can either go remember what we thought before or or whatever, but what did you guys think of the ending? Well, I know now it's been confirmed. I don't know if you've seen that. I don't know this. Confirmed oh, yeah. what? by Michael Caine. Yeah, Michael Caine. Well, let, wait, 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 wait. Let Carmela yeah. answer then since she doesn't know what she I think it's real life because we actually never the well okay i think it's real life because we actually see the kid's face one two the top starts leaning a little to the right so i think it's going to fall also it wouldn't explain other things prior like him on the plane i think that's my one of my favorite parts of a rewatch is realizing that that's miles totem Mm-hmm. And it, and that's why he never fully like oh he Cobb doesn't ever fully know if he's dreaming or not because he knows that he knows again hypocritically he's not the only one to have ever touched this totem so the whole point of the totem is broken and when I first watched the movie kind of to that extent Mel I thought maybe not in a literal sense but that his kids are his totem because like mm-hmm. you said, it's the only time we see the kid's face, but there's a couple of times when they're about to turn and he like, he quickly turns away. He never, he does not look at his kid's face unless he thinks he's sure that he's home. Mm-hmm. So I thought even symbolically, there it is, that his kids were his totem. Hmm. I love that. So what is it really? It's, it's real life. The, the, the oh. totem falls. It's real life. Got it. Oh, all this for it to be a dream. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. Can you fucking imagine? <laughs> no, I would have been pissed. All right. Well, uh, we didn't talk about Dalip Rao as Yusuf, but he doesn't have much, but he's charming as hell, and I really like the his chemist too. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. the chemist from he's Drag Me to Hell. He's in Drag Me to Hell. <laughs> you guys are gonna make me watch this movie this weekend. Jesus no, Christ. because you're not gonna be screaming at me, honey. <laughs> <laughs> One more thing. <laughs> mm-hmm. One Not hour later. Not a single grievance, I promise you, my love. I listen to time at least once a week. And a lot is said or joked about, about the booming score. But I think time is one of the best pieces of score written in the past few decades. And it, I don't like the ending, but I think it ends the movie perfectly. Um, it's just a great piece of music. Hans Zimmer is daddy. And that's all I have to say. Mella. Yeah. Did you know? Probably not. The big, like, the big bass boom womp, that, like, Inception is famous for? Mm-hmm. That is, so, you know, when they drop down a bunch of levels, time slows down incrementally, like, 6, 12, 18, 32, whatever. Mm-hmm. I, I just threw out numbers, but that big bass line is the main opera song that they use for the kick slowed down that many times. Oh, that's pretty cool. Wow. That's a little fun I love this movie. I love this movie. I'm sorry you didn't enjoy it, Rashawn. I'm going to go watch it. I I wasn't pissed to watch it. I've seen seen it a lot for a movie I don't like. Can we talk about Ken Watanabe at all? Just 
He's great. Marion Cotillard top beat, tight beat. He doesn't miss. He's always fantastic. Okay, is that what? it? I think so. Josh just keeps going. What? What, you, what else do you no, want to I'll say? Keep, I'll just keep talking. <laughs> this, is, this doesn't have to be in here, but half of the time I was thinking like, for people that sleep at the job, they know ha- they don't have beds. They have mm-hmm. fucking lawn chairs. Why? <laughs> <laughs> because they have to be sitting up. Because they don't sleep. They get like anesthesiized. They okay, get like, but, like put drugs in them. You could They're get laying like, down. They're laying down in the hotel. The one, the one thing that caught that I had that thought about was after Leo and and Marion wake up from their planned like trip to limbo. Mm-hmm. The motherfuckers are just laying on the floor. Right? Can we get your body an air would mattress? be so sore? Just, I wanted to see them like after they snap out of it, like, <sighs> oh shit, <laughs> just, just <freaking laughs> Wait, there's one more thing I want to talk about, too, then, since we're talking about sleeping in chairs. In the first, like, heist with Sato and Leo getting kicked in the chair over into the tub Mm -hmm. is still, like, one of the coolest shots shots ever. And it's, like, huge props to Leo, too, to keep a neutral face. Yeah. To still remain, quote unquote, asleep while you're literally falling backwards into a very shallow tub of water. <sighs> so good. And like the distance from the chair to the tub. It's far. Like just even if you know as an actor, like, okay, we're going to have to do this a couple times. I know what it is. I wouldn't be ready. No. Like, no. I, I just, I wouldn't. Leo's, just... Leo stays wet as shit in this movie. Wet. Him and Elliot just drenched. drenched. And Maul. Tom Hardy Fox. Me. Me. Oh my god. Who wants to play a game? If I don't say it, we're not going to get to it. I want to play a game. All right, everyone. Gird your loins. It don't matter if you win by an inch or a mile. I guessing game. Come on, Mm, never heard of it. <laughs> you do you guys? Sorry. Oh my God, Josh! No, this is a fun thing that we do. <laughs> you can keep. You can cut this out or put a blooper reel. Do you guys? Whenever we're wa- Lacey and I are watching something and the title of it comes up, we always do the Leo from uh, <laughs> Hollywood. Uh, Only if they say it in the movie. Which yeah, yeah. We said it. Well, I usually say drink. <laughs> Oh yeah, we always do. We even if we're laying back, we (laughs) sit up (laughs) every time. (laughs) Okay, you all will be working as a team for this game. Dibs on Eames. Can you please stop interrupting me? For the love of God, please. Episode and get mad at him. He wouldn't. He's not. You just gotta go. So, I have three synopses for movies we have done on the pod. There Ooh, are Lord. three levels, three levels to this inception. At each level, I'm going to read you a synopsis of one of these movies. I have changed five facts about each movie in the synopsis. And it is your job as a team to figure out what those five things are you must get three correct 
in order to move on to the next level. Okay, so it's like, what? Like, what's the difference in this picture? We're not like... Yep. Okay. 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 Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Okay, so you're starting on level three and you have to work your way up till you're awake. We're in the, yeah. mo- we're in the mountains. You're right in the mountains now. right now. Who are you? Wait, who are you guys? Mm, Cobb, because I have issues I haven't worked through. <laughs> <laughs> and you'll be Yusuf because you stay having to pee. Yeah. <laughs> I have to right now. <laughs> so it's raining. Imagine it's, it's raining. raining. She never it drinks water, but she's always got to pee. What are you going to do? It's coffee. All right. In 1965, Tracy Turnblad is a 16-year-old, heavy-set high school student living in a segregated Baltimore. She and her best friend, Penny Pingleton, spend their days watching the Corny Collins Hour, a local teen dance show on Tracy's color TV. Tracy's big break comes in the form of an audition for Corny Collins when one of his performers is injured in a car accident. She dances and impresses everyone, including the hunky lead of the show, Link Larkin. But when Tracy is sent to detention, her life is changed by the smooth voice and dance moves of Seaweed, the nephew of Mortarmouth Mabel. I think I got five. I got three for sure. So, for sure, I take notes. So, for sure, not a car accident, right? Yeah, she's pregnant. Uh... Is it a color TV or is it black and white? Black and white. Black and white. Black and white. It's 1960. Right. And then is it the Corny Collins show or is it the show. hour? Yeah. Show. And, and then is and then that's the not, nephew? Not the nephew. It's her son. I got five two, bitch. Let's go. Bing, 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 bing. <laughs> play, the, play the opera song because you're moving Whoa. on up. <laughs> moving up to the next copyright, level. Copyright, copyright, copyright. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's what's gonna that that copyright's gonna stop us. I've never used music in this show. Level two, you're in the hotel. Peter Clavin, a Malibu real estate agent, proposes to his girlfriend Zoe, and she accepts. Zoe immediately calls her sister and best friends in the car and asks Peter if he has anyone he'd like to tell. Peter doesn't have any, many friends outside of family and work acquaintances. After overhearing Zoe voicing her concerns to her co-workers that Peter doesn't have many close male friends, he decides to find someone to be the best man at his wedding. Peter meets Sidney Fife, an entrepreneur who comes to open houses to meet other young women and eat free food. They instantly hit it off over a love of the band Rush, Burritos, and Fart Jokes. It's not her co-workers, it's just her best friends, isn't it? Yeah, she overhears her... Talking to her friends at girls' night, not right, her coworkers. With the cappuccinos. Put your finger up. I know that's one. <laughs> um, um, is I don't. Is his last name Clavin? Yeah, Peter Clavin. Um, they don't like burritos. They like fish tacos. Mm-hmm. And Sydney, I'm gonna he's say this one. Entrepreneur. He's not an entrepreneur. He's a. He's like an. Um, what's it called? He's not an entrepreneur. He's a real estate agent? No, that's Peter. But Sydney's not an entrepreneur either. He does He's an uh, investor. He's an investor. That's what it is. Come on, bitch. Two more, two more. We got the three. We but got three. This was well, a tough one. That's a tough one. He is he is he a real estate agent in Malibu or is it Beverly Hills? Is it Malibu? It's Venice. Venice, it's Venice. That's right. Where what? is it? It's not Malibu. They go to Venice, it's Los Angeles. 
It's just Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. Okay. okay. There's one more. I I missed it. I don't know. It is Rush. You want me to tell you? You got your three, so you're moving on to the final level. Okay. Ooh. Sydney goes to open houses to meet uh, recently divorced women, not other Sneaky. young women. Sneaky. Okay. <laughs> yes. That's true, though. Okay. All right. Play the song. You're at the final level. You're on the you're on the the van, crashing into okay. the water. It's all you, Mello. Anthropology student Danny Arder is left severely traumatized after her sister completes a murder suicide on their parents and herself by filling their home with carbon monoxide. The incident further strains Danny's relationship with her increasingly distant boyfriend, psychology student Christian. Christian and his fellow friends have been invited by a Swedish classmate, Pell, to attend a midsummer celebration at his family's commune. The celebration comes about only once every 75 years and is regarded as a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. Danny joins Christian and his friends on the trip. Upon arrival, the group partakes in a spiritual awakening by smoking a local drug. They are then greeted by a welcoming and eccentric group of locals who crown them with flower necklaces and a tour and take them on a tour around the land. So, um, so they do mushrooms. They don't smoke. She's not a he, psychology. Student. He is also anthropology. Yeah. Did 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 her sister fill the home with carbon monoxide or just their room? Or she was in the. She was yeah. It was their home. The whole house. She was just gone in her. I own. mean, it was taped to her mouth, but their bedroom. So I mean, but that's not the home. She she means okay. Um, um, is he Swedish? Is he Swedish or is he Swiss? He's Swedish. Okay, it's a Swedish festival. Um, I don't think they get necklaces, do they? The flower necklaces? It's a crown. It's a crown, yeah. I want um, the other ones. Is it 75 years? Or is it more I thought it was 60. 80? I thought it was 80. I'm going to give it to you. It's 90, but... It's 90. Okay. okay. And that's all I had. I didn't even have any notes for any other ones. And then... It's like remembering the whole synopsis after. We got it though. We got all three. Let's go. Is out it here. Midsummer or not Midsummer? <laughs> <laughs> the eternal debate. <laughs> no, um, Mella, you are actually right. Danny is not an anthropology student. She is a She's psychology like student. Oh, okay. oh, so you flip both of them? I flip both of them. Okay. Sneaky. It has to be subtle so that you guys don't realize it's different. Mm-hmm. These nerds got Stairs are in a circle. <laughs> Congratulations, you all have completed your heist. Woo! You're all I safe. I won't be in limbo. For another day. Woo! Okay. Wrapping things up. I think we can all agree that Inception is a complicated story. With a really great group of actors who may or may not have gotten to flex all of their proverbial muscles, but they are all extremely talented. And that Marion Cotillard can never be bad. She's just always good. Mm-hmm. And that the action sequences are in this movie are awesome. Okay, I think we can all agree that the hotel scene, the hotel... 
flippy floppy scene is excellent. Yes. <laughs> flippy floppy uh, scene. You know, that one. <laughs> we end each episode with a quick round of six degrees of separation, connecting an actor from this week's movie to an actor from next week's movie. However, next week we have a special showdown episode coming at ya. So this six degrees of separation will be connecting this week's actor to an actor that will be coming to the pod in two weeks. Who can find the fastest connection between Joseph Gordon-Levitt and Brittany Murphy? No, I think I'm one away. The hell of those. There has to be something between these two. I got it! I think I have it. You got it, Josh? I think so. Wait, did I I may have made a circle. No, I didn't. Sorry. <laughs> Joseph Gordon Levitt is in 50-50 with Seth Rogen, who is in Kung Fu Panda. With Angelina Jolie, who is in Girl Interrupted with Brian Murphy. Nice. I couldn't, remember if, I couldn't remember if Seth Rogen was in Kung Fu Panda or not. Well, that is it for this week's episode of When Cinephiles Attack. As always, we'd love if you took a moment and liked, subscribed, and rated us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Good Pods. You can find this in all of our episodes on Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, or anywhere you get your podcasts. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at CinephileAttack. And if you have a suggestion for a new episode, or if you just want to show us some love, email us at whencinephilesattack at gmail.com. From Lacey, Mella, Josh, and Rashawn. Sleep tight. Don't let the bed bugs bite. We'll see you on level three. Inception or Nightmare Yeah, why are you just being <laughs> weird, creepy about it?